What's up, y'all? This is uh, Marcus Sniffles from Twitter. This is another episode of the Committee Podcast. I know we normally don't do sports on here, and if we do do sports, it's usually about the Falcons, but today we're not doing that. We're doing just sports in general all around, and I have a very special guest with me. I have a Augusta legend. If you, uh, I'm gonna let her introduce herself. Augusta legend. I actually like the way that sounds. I'm gonna put that on a resume. Mental note. <laughs> um, yeah, Kiana. Um, on Twitter, I'm at underscore Rev Run. I've recently started referring to myself as Two Chains' as second chain. Um, <laughs> so, That's good. <laughs> yeah, because the first one, you know, is like I'm gonna make it, but the second one is like the fruition of the success. So. I'm two changes, yes. second chain. So yeah, um, host of the Between the Lines podcast and uh, all around nuisance on the internets, on the interwebs. Yes, I can. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll co-sign that. I'll co-sign that. We're not going to talk about. We're not going to talk about your Celtics fandom on this podcast. That's yeah, what, we don't uh, have to do that's that. What we, that's what we did on your on your uh, podcast last time I was on there. So we'll we'll leave that that wound closed. But we are going to stick with the. Uh, with the NBA and obviously the biggest storyline in the NBA is ironically, it's not the back-to-back NBA champion Golden State Warriors. Mm-hmm. It is LeBron James signing with the Lakers because right now it's LeBron James's league and we're all just here for the show. Um, a lot of people saw this happening. A lot of people weren't surprised by this move. Um, how, how did you feel about him making this decision? Um, of the available team, so when it was time for uh, free agency talks, it was the Cavaliers, returning to the Cavaliers, Philadelphia. Um, the Lakers, a lot of people thought there might have been some dark horse team, but of the teams we knew about, it was a return to Cleveland, um, out uh, going further up the coast to Philadelphia, or completely changed the scenery and going to um, Los Angeles. Seems like, I don't say it, it was the move that you expected but were surprised by because Philadelphia didn't seem right. Um, you knew he wasn't staying with the Cleveland Cavaliers. I think I would have been more surprised if he stayed with Cleveland. Yeah, I'd have been stunned. I was stunned when he actually went back from Miami. I did not see that coming. Yeah. So Los Angeles, like I said, it was one of those moves that you expected, but you were surprised by it still because it's like LeBron James is, is – is a Los Angeles Laker. Like, who thought LeBron James would, one, leave the Eastern Conference before his career was over? And, you know, you hear on Twitter, like, LeBron is going to be a Laker. The Lakers think they can get anybody, anybody mm-hmm. who's available. They think they can get Jesus to a, to a, at least a 10-day contract. So, <laughs> so yeah, seeing LeBron be like, you know, I'm, I'm going to take that step. I'm going to move my family out west, and we're on this train for at least three years. It was a, it was a bit surprising. Yeah, I think the the length of the contract was the most surprising uh, part of that because normally he does like the whole you know one year and I well let me take that back he does that with Cleveland he yeah. does the one year with the you know player opt out with Miami he signed a I think he had a five year contract but he could opt out after four 
Mm-hmm. And now with the Lakers, he's got another three-year contract, but he got or a four-year contract. And he got opt out after three, so he's he's saying that he's here for the long haul, and he knows that it's not a win now situation because if you look at the available teams that he could have went to, I'm not sure about the fit in Philadelphia, but I think Philadelphia has a better roster because the Lakers don't have anybody as good as Joel Embiid on their team. Yeah, um, a lot of teams don't have anybody as good as Joel Embiid on their team. Yeah, he, he he's on his way to being the best like center in the league and being a top five player. Mm. And um Cleveland obviously was good. I had I had no re-signing with that franchise because that's fun franchises in sports i think because like when he was before he got there they were garbage and they were able to draft him they were unable to build a great team around him and then the moment the year he left they went back to being a number one you know lottery team for the four years he was gone he comes back and they become automatically Eastern Conference and NBA Finals champions. And now he's leaving again, and you just got to assume that they're probably going to suck again because Dan Gilbert has no idea what he's doing. Yeah, no, he's just and, there. Yeah, he, he might as well be asleep at the wheel. Yeah, he just sits in the chair. <laughs> but as far as as far as far him going to the Lakers, well, actually, a lot of people have been saying that LeBron's success is mostly because he plays in Eastern Conference. But mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know if I agree with that. Because LeBron on the Cavaliers, this especially this last year, and even at the beginning of his career, he's so he's such an elite player that he's able to take any team to at least the conference finals. Because if you look at that first roster that went to the finals in Cleveland, his second best player was not an All Star and a league average player. Mm-hmm. Um, he took. You know, the, the Cavaliers or the Heat, obviously, he was able to take that team because they had a little bit more talent. You give him some talent, he's going to take you to the finals. Mm-hmm. You just have average players, he's definitely going to get you to the playoffs. And that the roster from Cleveland this last year was literally just an average roster. You take LeBron James off of that team, is that a playoff team? Is Kevin Love leading that team to a playoff seed? Like, no, I, 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 don't, I don't know. So, so you put LeBron James in the – in the Western Conference, I feel like that's he has the same sort of success. Now he might not have as many uh, finals appearances because of you know Golden State and what they're doing. But any random team in the West, say you put him on Portland, so you got Damian Lillard, C.J. McCollum, and LeBron James. Mm-hmm. That team fifty to sixty games. So this whole oh LeBron can't play out West, I just don't I don't buy that. Yeah, um, if anybody has ever listened to me say anything or even just looked at my tweets, you'll know that I'm not like LeBron's biggest fan. I've never been LeBron's biggest fan because he hates me. I believe that he has a personal vendetta against me. Um, That being said, there's no way you can take away from this man's talent. The Eastern Conference has been weak. Um, I won't say a lot of people think that the Eastern Conference is just this throwaway conference and they want to redo the the playoff structure immediately, which I'm not completely against. I'll say that. Mm-hmm. Um, but LeBron is a once in a generation type player to where we don't see this type of greatness every day. So he could be on the Western Conference. He can be in the Eastern Conference. He play with Toronto, play with a team as bad as, I don't know, Phoenix. And you're going to get the same result, at least a playoff team. You're going to get at least a playoff first. You can't say that about a lot of other players that people try to compare him to. So, Exactly. Like, And I don't know if it's a hot take or not, but I think if LeBron would have played with 
any number of all-star point guards not named Kyrie Irving, I still think they win. And, and like, I, and granted, Kyrie is a great offensive player. He's a great player in his own right. But I feel like any all-star caliber point guard is able to win that championship against Golden State. Like, I feel like if he had Kimball Walker, I still think mm-hmm. they won that championship because of how great LeBron James was able to play in that series. And as far as the, the playoff alignments, I I kind of do see a day where that is a possibility just because of how Adam Silver is more willing to try things out and change the format. Like the, changing the format of the All-Star game was, I think, a big deal. I think a lot of people wanted to see that. The, the thing that he needs to do, though, with the All-Star game is he needs to televise that draft. That needs to be a thing because I everybody would watch that. I was I said the same thing when they started doing – when they, they changed the, the All-Star structure. I was like – why not televise the draft? But Clay Thompson and other players were like, nobody wants to see the guy that's chosen last. We'll suck it up. Like, no, 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 no. That's, <laughs> you'll be fine. That's the reason we want to watch it. We yeah, want like, to see that. I that's the big the thing we want to see. We're never going to be like, oh, that got trash because you are an all star. Like, yeah, so literally. let's let us just see who got chosen last. It's fun. Suck it up, guys. Exactly. <laughs> like, imagine like last year, like Steph Curry was a captain. Imagine they get all the way down to the last pick. And it's Clay Thompson. And Steph Curry's like, or Clay Thompson's like, you I'm the last pick. You picked all these guys over me. Like I've bailed you out numerous times in the playoffs, and, and I'm the last pick. Like I'd love to see that kind of drama unfold on TV. Exactly. The NBA, they don't like to like live up to it, but the NBA is low key all. It's like loving hip hop NBA. Like oh, yeah. the NBA lives for the drama. So why not? But you can make money off the drama. It looks great on television. Like, come on, you guys, you're the drama league. Come on, let's do it. And we still love you guys as players. Come on. Exactly. And it's just more FaceTime for them, honestly. Like, it's more FaceTime. You get to know them. I don't know. I feel like there's something that something fun and interesting they could do with that kind of draft where you kind of get to know the players a little bit or maybe just have them mic'd up and just have them sitting in there just being casual, talking and seeing how everything goes. I think that would be entertaining. I think it's a possibility. I mean, sticking, sticking with the NBA, the Western Conference is is pretty loaded right now. Mm. And it's, I mean, I, I do think that the Lakers are going to make the playoffs. But if you look at these teams in the West, here, let me let me go ahead and name these teams. You got the Rockets, Golden State, Oklahoma City, the Pelicans, Minnesota, Utah, Portland, San Antonio, and Minnesota. Or not Minnesota, I named them twice. Those were the eight teams that made the playoffs last year. So you got to assume that LeBron on the Lakers automatically makes them a playoff team. But I'm looking at these teams in the West, and I'm like, well, what team is not going to make the playoffs? And mm-hmm. my, my, first, my first guess is probably the Spurs, just because they're most likely going to lose Kawhi Leonard. And they're not going to get anything of that level back. But it's hard for me to imagine a playoff without Greg Popovich. Like, I feel like he's a great enough coach to get any roster to the playoffs, at least. I would agree. I think this is the year that we don't see uh, San Antonio in the playoffs. Um, I think that's whether or not they lose Kawhi, to be to be completely honest. Um, mm. I, you would expect them to lose Kawhi, uh, but as time ticks in, when you think about it, the NBA offseason isn't terribly long. It's already almost August. September's training camp. October, we're right back at the start of the season. I wouldn't 
I won't say that I don't expect Kawhi to leave, but if he doesn't, I still don't really see the, the Spurs getting to the playoffs, especially with the Western Conference landscape changing the way it is. Um, like you said, the, the teams that are in the West are only getting better. New Orleans only going to get better. Uh, Portland, they're the iffy team, but you can expect them to make a playoff appearance. Of course, Golden State. Of course, um, the teams like Utah, I expect them to get better. Oklahoma City will wiggle in. Houston will wiggle in. Um, you got to expect the Lakers to wiggle in. Even if they're at a six or, or a seven spot, they're in there some way. So the Western Conference, um, they will definitely be the uh, the media darling when, when the EBA season rolls around. I'll be surprised if you see – if. I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, if you um, if you saw a, a drop off in Eastern Conference games, but viewership. I mean, yeah, the uh, the Lakers and the Warriors are in the same division this year, so mm-hmm. you're going to see a there's there's going to be a lot of late nights for NBA uh, fans because we're going to be watching a lot of late games this season because exactly. you, you're going to want to watch the Lakers because obviously LeBron he does that for you. I mean, the Lakers are probably going to have 30, 40 like nationally televised games are obviously going to play on Christmas. That's going to be the primetime game. Whoever they're probably going to play the Warriors or Houston. Like they're going to, you're going to see a lot of them that we haven't seen since I think the last relevant game that they played was Kobe's last game Mm -hmm. on and you know, but that was significant because it was Kobe Bryant. That's his last game. That's the last time you're going to see it. But as far as a franchise, They've kind of been like the Knicks, like they've been mm-hmm. irrelevant. They haven't really been able to do anything, and that's, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to turn this into a Kobe slander podcast, but, but usually great players don't miss. You at least make the playoffs, and Kobe mm-hmm. Bryant has a handful of times, and he's missed the playoffs in his prime. Let me just go back because I don't want the Kobe fans to get all upset say, because they're really sensitive. Got, he definitely got bounced from the first round a year after a championship, so. Yeah, well, we'll, let's not bring up the facts. Facts don't matter. We're not gonna we're not gonna bring up that he blew a three one lead against Phoenix. That's not a big deal. Like, there's no need to bring that up. No need. Let's. uh, (laughs) We're gonna stick with basketball. We're we're gonna transition to the uh, ladies side of things. Mm -hmm. And lately, I've been hearing a lot about the differences between like the WNBA and how they're marketed. And uh, Damian Lillard actually came out and said that they needed to be paid more as a league and as players and I, and I, it got me to thinking, I was like, well, how much money does, do they make in the WNBA? They got to make pretty good money. I was thinking at least like a million or two, like on average. So I went to my, to my Google machine and I, I Googled what's the average salary of a WNBA player. And I was very surprised at what the number was. It's only, and I say only like, you know, it could be a lot of money to some people, but $71,000. Yeah. Average salary for WNBA players. And, and so I decided to compare that to the NBA. Average salary for NBA players, $6.2 million. That is a astoundingly Huge large gap. Right, right. Huge. Like, that is insane to me. How is that possible? So I did some, I'll kind of, how do I want to say this? Okay, so I'm in my master's program. Shout out Georgia State. Um, sport administration and one of our case studies in my sport marketing class um, was about the WNBA. We had a choice and I think both of them were about the WNBA, some facet, but I chose to look at the pay gap. Um, So one thing you'll notice with the WNBA is, well, between the WNBA and the NBA, the NBA players, they make 50% of the league's revenue. The WNBA players, 
revenue estimates are there just that estimates I believe the revenue the league pulls in about 50 million dollars NBA players make about WNBA players make about 22.8 percent of that Candace mm. Parker one of the high one of the higher paid players only makes about a hundred thousand dollars a year Steph Curry comparable so if Candace Parker is one of the, the WNBA uh, best players she makes hundred thousand dollars comparable to her would be Stephen Curry who makes about 30 million dollars a season mm. so mm. there's the drop off the WNBA, they also, they're disadvantaged in the fact that my my sister is 19 years old and she's the same age as the WNBA. WNBA wasn't officially a league until, not until 1999. And you'll see oh, with wow. a lot of okay. a lot of leagues, uh, Major League Baseball, even the, even the NBA in, in their early days, they went through decades of not being adequately compensated. It took the, the uh, it took Major League Baseball and uh, Kurt Flood to be like, hey, could you can we bargain for for better salaries out here? Um, the WNBA could benefit from that on a player standpoint. Their collective bargaining agreement is at it's over at the end of this season, if I'm correct. So they can go back and negotiate for for better compensation. I would recommend it. I'm sure they they would already do it. But I mean, outside of that, the WNBA owes it to their players to work on their marketing strategies to find better television deals. How much do you make from that deal with Twitter? Why is some of that money not going to the players? So it's all about collective bargaining agreement. And then it's all about marketing and making the league bigger than what it is. We talked about the drama of the NBA. When the NBA season is over, we still hear about these players. We're still hearing about Carmelo Anthony. We still hear about, we hear about Steph's regular life that he wasn't going to minicamp because he wanted to spend time with his son. Like things that are completely unbasketball related that we hear about these players with the WNBA. If you even know that the NBA, the WNBA season's happening, once it's over, these players disappear from our minds. We don't, we don't see them. We don't hear about them. The trade talks around them isn't as um, big or even existent. So the WNBA owes it to their players to compensate them more. The NBA, WNBA players owe it to themselves to negotiate um, for a better agreement, higher um, compensation in proportion to their revenue. Um, and I, as a woman, it's unfortunate that we don't get paid as much as our male counterparts do, especially in a sense where even though the basketball styles are different, they should, mm-hmm. these are professional athletes at the top of their of their careers. Mm-hmm. Why are they not paid more? They make about the same as a doctor, the guy that lives next door to you or the guy that you know you see at the grocery store. Why are they not why are they not compensated differently? Yeah, correct. This is I mean, I agree with all that. And obviously this isn't just a, an NBA, WNBA you know, issue. This is a issue in a lot of workplaces where mm-hmm. women aren't getting paid as much as men for doing the same job. And like, obviously, you know, women aren't as physically gifted genetically as say, like, you're not going to see a LeBron James, right. the, the female version of LeBron James in the WNBA. But at the end of the day, they're still professional athletes and it takes a lot of work to be able to get to where they've gotten. Mm-hmm. They're compensated for that. Now, I guess, the, and I honestly, I didn't realize how young the WNBA was. Like, 19 years old is not, that's not a long time to, to be a, around as a league. That's not a long time. To put that into perspective, um, another thing I learned from the case study I did, the first WNBA team wasn't even profitable until about eight years ago. It was the Connecticut Sun. So they weren't even seeing wow. profits on their teams until, you know, a, a little while ago, the 2010. So... The WNBA still has a long way to go in terms of like growth and and being a bigger mm-hmm. league, but 
compensation is something that you can fix pretty soon. Do you feel like the WNBA is on the right track though when it comes to marketing? Because I, me personally, I do feel like I've within the last years, I feel like I've seen a lot more WNBA commercials and the way that they're showing these commercials are by having NBA players, you know, talk about WNBA players. They're like, you know, they're professionals, they're athletes, watch them way. I like the way you play. They had, I think they had Kobe Bryant at a game one time. And mm-hmm. and I, I feel like they're they're trying to actually push the WNBA a little bit better. From your perspective, you've done a, you've, I didn't even know all this stuff until just now. You've clearly done a lot of research on the WNBA. Do you, do you feel like they're heading in the right direction? I do. Um, I will be completely honest and say that I am not a WNBA aficionado. I was one of those people that was like, I'm only watching men's basketball. I like the lights. I like the cameras. I like the excitement that comes with uh, men's basketball. Um, and I still feel like, you know, men's basketball is still one of those. The, the NBA as a league is one of those leagues where, like, games are uh, can't miss for me. But I've kind of recently kind of sat down and been like, well, why don't I like the WNBA? Like, why wasn't I watching games? And it boiled down to playing style. I wasn't used to a playing style that's more fundamentally sound. Uh, with a, with an NBA game, you're going to see, at minimum, at least five dunks. You don't get that with the NBA. A lot of layups, a lot of passing, very uh, San Antonio Spurs style of basketball. Or Lo, Lo, uh, Lo, 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 I can't even say the name, Loyola, Chicago, that we saw make that Cinderella run in the uh, NCAA tourney. Very fundamentally sound style of basketball. And up until recently, I hadn't been watching. And then I sat down and I watched the most recent uh, WNBA finals. I believe it was uh, Lynx and Sparks. Amazing game. Like, I couldn't tear. Like, I was in the kitchen cooking, watching the game. Almost burnt my food up trying to watch. Uh, amazing, amazing final game to end the se- uh, season. So I... And recently, like you said, I've seen their deal with Twitter. You can watch their games live stream on Twitter. You, you see Stephen Curry or LeBron or KD talk about the WNBA. Damian Lillard, even using his platform to speak about the WNBA is important. So I do think they're on the right tra- track marketing-wise. I, If I could make a suggestion, and this may be something they're already doing, I would suggest that they find a niche market and try to market to them uh, because you're always going to have those people that, that, won't, that refuse to watch women play basketball and refuse to watch that style of basketball. So I would find a market, and they've kind of done that with the LGBTQIA community. They've done that with going to find women. So I think they're on the right track, and I would love to see it grow. I, I mean, ho- I hopefully in five years, 10 years, 15, 20, 25, hopefully. I'm going to say 25. I'm taking my daughter to go see a WNBA game, and she's got a favorite WNBA player and a favorite WNBA team, and she's looking up to somebody. So that's what I hope. I do see them making strides. Definitely the case. Um, I know. I know. For me, the WNBA games that I do watch, I do find I do find them to be a little bit more enjoyable than men's college basketball. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, I'm pretty much out on the NCAA basketball as far as like men and women. I just don't watch college basketball because I don't think it's that good of basketball. And I've I've gotten arguments with people on Twitter about it, saying you know like college basketball is it's just not good basketball and it's not enjoyable mm-hmm. to watch there's a and it's no it's no shade to the kids because their kids are not professionals I'd rather mm-hmm. watch professionals but I can I can honestly say within the last five years maybe even maybe even longer than that I've watched more WNBA games than I've watched of NCAA men's college basketball because I just mm-hmm. can't do it 
I and these and these women, they're out here, they're professional basketball players, and they like you said, they have more fundamentals. They can dribble with their left hand. Like that's something I I prefer to see from my uh professional basketball players. I'm not getting that in the college game. So I, I I also think that they're on the right track. I do think that targeting a a smaller group like the the LGBTQ community is a good idea as far as marketing us. If we're being honest, that group isn't really marketed marketed to when it comes to sports. Like maybe like the NFL doesn't care about that that group. Oh, not at all. Ba- basketball is like men's and the NBA is they're pretty they're progressive with it. They're not, I know Adam Silver, he goes to like pride festivals and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. he's out there trying baseball. I mean, I don't know. I don't watch baseball, so I don't know what they're doing. <laughs> there. So um, I guess for me, I think they, they need, if there's, there's gotta be a way to market the WNBA without turning it into the lingerie league. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. there's a way for you to, to push these players and to get their faces out there without them having to, all right, well now, you know, before we were wearing like, you know, regular length shorts, but to get more mm-hmm. viewers, we're going to have to shorten those shorts up and tighten those jerseys up. Like we can't, we, 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 we're past that day and age where that's how we're viewing female athletes. Like right. they're athletes or professionals, let them do what they're supposed to do. Um, and I was thinking about, it, I'm like, well, how, what is a way to get people to watch the WNBA without, you know, demeaning them physically or sexually or anything like that? And honestly, I just think that they need to be more experimental with, with their broadcasts. Like the, the Twitter thing, I think is a pretty solid idea. I like, I like the idea of having say like Doris Burke call the game and then you have you know a former WNBA player as a player analyst during the game mm-hmm. and then you get the third person and you put someone put a comedian in that seat or or a musician or somebody someone that's interesting to talk to or talk mm-hmm. that can just sit in there and talk because it's just it's entertainment and if you tell me like hey there's going to be a WNBA game on and they got Cardi B in the booth for two quarters. I'm probably going to check that out for at least those two quarters that Cardi B is there because Cardi B is a good talker. Cardi B is entertaining and she might say something that's funny, insightful or whatever. She might just be, you know, do whatever she does. And it's it's things like that that they need to try to do. And another kind of, I don't want to say it's like gimmicky, but whatever they can do to get like a big name female celebrity like Beyonce or like Jennifer Lopez, to get them as one of the owners of the team and not that they don't even have to be a majority owner. Like just if you, if they can get Beyonce to buy like 1% of the team mm-hmm. and just say, Hey, the only thing we need you to do is come to 10 home games and sit courtside. You're going to get viewers for that also. Yeah. Um, back to what you said about people not turning into the lingerie league. I'm so glad you said that. Cause I, I will see guys be like, well, I don't watch it because they're not attractive. I'm like, so you watch the NBA games to see Kevin Durant? <laughs> I mean, yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, there's probably guys that do that. Steph Curry. I was going to say, I'm not going <laughs> to, like, I agree. Stephen Curry, is he looks great. But I know that's not why you're watching basketball. I know you're watching it because you like watching professionals at the top of their game. So for you to say, well, I don't watch the WNBA because they ain't cute, like, well, they're not there to be cute for you. They're there to sell you a product, and the product is basketball. Great, and it's 
That's it's entertaining basketball. Point. You don't get to see NFL players, but you watch because you enjoy the product. So, I mean, I I agree. We don't need to change this to the line. We don't need crop top basketball jerseys. That's that's not even comfortable to play in. So <laughs> you're cheap yeah. to leave that way. And then yeah, they would they could definitely benefit from uh, support from celebrities. I think the NBA does a great job with that. Of course, it, even casual NBA fans are like, oh, I wonder who's sitting courtside in Oracle. Is it Beyonce and Jay Z? Are they there for a game for the finals? Is it this person? I don't know if people go to look for E40. Maybe people in the Bay. I don't know. But uh, the WNBA could definitely benefit from uh, endorsements from uh, NBA players. We can get a few NBA players at a couple home games. I mean, it, they, it coincides well with their off season and the beginning of the NBA's, of the WNBA season, so it could work, um, at least for the first few games. They could also uh, benefit from making sure that their home states are even interested. I look at Atlanta Dream Games and I'm like, These, there's nobody here. Like, I know you're not watching the Hawks because they're really bad. At least support the Dream. Um, so they could they could benefit from having a Cardi B in the booth, getting some of her fans to watch. I don't know. I don't want, like you said, I don't ever want the WNBA to have to be like, well, we have to resort to gimmicks to get people to watch. But experimenting, especially with the league being so young, um, this is the perfect time to experiment and see what works and what doesn't work and how can they be different from existing leagues. It's a, it's a perfect time to do so. Leagues like the NFL and the and the and Major League Baseball should really try doing stuff like that, being more experimental with the broadcast. Cause I mean, the NFL, people are going to watch the NFL regardless of who's calling the game. Like people complain about Chris Collinsworth or whoever, but they're going to watch the game. So throw someone else in there and you might be able to attract a different audience. And if we, if we, this is how you can tell that the WNBA is a young league altogether as a league, the, the WNBA players made over 11 and a half million dollars. All the players. Comparing that to the NBA, TJ Warren of the Phoenix Suns made is going to make eleven and a half million dollars this year, this upcoming season. Now, a lot of you may be wondering who is TJ Warren. Yes. Kiana, do you know do you know who TJ Warren is? If you like put him in a lineup with five guys, I probably wouldn't know who he was. <laughs> yes, and I feel the exact same way. I have no idea who this guy is. I saw, I, I looked up NBA contracts and I put, you know, the highest to least and I scrolled down to find a comparative number and it said TJ Warren. And I'm like, who the hell is TJ Warren? And why is he making more money in one year than every WNBA player? That's That, that was insane to me. So I have, I have no idea who that is, but shout out to him. He's he's securing the bag. So, right, right. I mean, I'm not gonna hate on that, but that's I mean, that's clearly an issue when you got running the mill NBA players making more than an, an entire league. So let's let's transition from basketball to football, and we have the some people would call this the greatest Hall of Fame class ever. We have. Brian Dawkins from Philadelphia Eagles and Denver Broncos. We have Brian Erlacher from the Chicago Bears. We have Randy Moss, who I would in in my in my book is the best wide receiver ever. I would yes, I, I know Jay Rice. I know Jay Rice played, but Randy Moss for my money, I'm he's the best wide receiver ever. And we have Terrell Owens. Now, there's been some there's been some controversy with this because Terrell Owens 
it if you watch Terrell Owens play and you look at the numbers that he put up and the success his teams had with him, mm-hmm. he's clearly a first ballot Hall of Famer. Right. But his off-field activities rubbed the media the wrong way. Mm-hmm. And media members vote on the Hall of Fame. And they they're making him wait. They made him wait. I believe it was either two or three, three years. This is his third year being eligible, and he made it in his third year. Mm-hmm. And there's literally no reason to keep him out of the Hall of Fame if you look at his numbers and his impact on the game and what he did. And it was just high school pettiness. Like the the quote unquote nerds didn't like the jock. They didn't like the um based on all that, how, how do you feel about the way Tio's Hall of Fame uh induction uh him being voted in? How do you how do you feel all that went? Yeah, the media members me one thing about media members that I've kind of learned is that media members don't like to feel overlooked. And they mm. don't like to feel um less than because we feel, you know, part of the the game. I a lot of I don't know, I'm not, you know, a huge media member, but just from my time, my short amount of time, uh I recognize that media the media as much as people don't like it or do like it is a huge part of sports now um these storylines and these headlines don't get driven without us and so that the first year while petty cool two to three years like three years later and he's just now uh getting this is just just due it seems it's it's a bit much i mean if the hall of fame is is based on your contributions as a player uh i don't really i just don't really understand why it's taken this long i guess and uh, I'm not Terrell or Terrell, as he would call himself. Um, I'm not his biggest fan, but I mean, three years is long enough to wait. Give that man, give that man his his, his flowers while he can still smell them. Let me let me ask you this: You said you're not a you're not a big fan of him. What were you? Are you not a big fan of him now? I'd say that um, I I it's been his his off the field antics more than his on field antics. I feel like he does a bit much, but I kind of feel the same way about Chad Ochocinco, like, and a whole bunch of other players. So it's not anything like, um, I don't say that it's something that'll make me be like, well, I just don't ever want Terrell Owens to be in the hall of fame. But I mean, he could calm down. He could have calmed down when he was still alive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean, I know for me growing up, like I'm in my early thirties, uh, you're in your late 20s? I'm in my uh, early 20s. I'll be 24 in however many weeks. What's today? And a, a little over a month, a little less than a month. Right, right. So, I mean, so so when I was younger and you were more younger than me and I was watching uh, Terrell Owens, like, I, I enjoyed the way he acted at, on the field. I enjoyed the celebrations. Like him and Ocho Cinco and Randy Moss, whenever they were doing their celebrations, me personally, I enjoyed watching that because it made the game more fun to me. And it was, it showed that, you know, you can go out there and have fun and, you know, show your personality. And, and me, you can, uh, you can see the flag behind me. I'm a Colts fan. And I've never had that experience as a fan because it's Marvin Harrison and Reggie Wayne. T.Y. Hilton, even now, is not that exciting when it comes to celebrations. So, to be able to watch those great players do what they do and then show you like and having fun, that's I, I really enjoyed it. And I, and I never understood 
why the media would always take everything they did and just made it into a bad thing. And I mean, as I get as I get older and I look back on that time, I start to see who the voices were back then. Yeah. Yep, yep, the, yep, the yep. people covering these guys and a lot of them are older white guys. Mm-hmm. So it's you older white guys and young cocky black guys yes. do not see things the same way. They don't have the same perspective. They don't have the same life experiences. They don't see life the same way. Mm-hmm. Some things aren't taken as seriously as one of them might think it should be. So now when I look at it, I look at the, the NFL landscape. Now you have like Odell Beckham Jr. and Antonio Brown, mm-hmm. and you don't really hear the same amount of, you know, finger wagging at them. And honestly, I think it's because of people, people like you, people like, uh, you know, Bomani Jones or Pablo Torre, Jamel Hill. We have all these other voices. We have black, black people. We have women. We have, you know, other ethnicities being able to discuss these things so you get a little bit more perspective because if you have if you if you're watching a football game or someone's calling a football game they're going to see it differently because they've had different life ex- life experiences like i see a player get in the end zone and celebrate even if it's against my team i don't have a problem with it because i like things that are fun i like fun stuff i like I like to see the new dance, like when everybody was, when Cam Newton was dabbing that one year, like after every mm-hmm. touchdown, I was like, man, that's that's fucking cool. That's cool as shit. Because, you know, again, as a Colts fan, I've had boring quarterbacks my entire life. I've had yeah. Peyton Manning who did, who does nothing. I have Andrew Luck who's just weird. He doesn't celebrate. So it was nice to be able to watch these other players do these things. And then it's just, it's just such a bummer when, you know, the media and, you know, sports writers are like respect the game act like you've been there before you know be like barry sanders like no man this is a big deal like scoring a touchdown in the nfl is a big deal like a lot of people it's hard to do that why not celebrate the media especially sports media is much like politics in the way that um older especially older white men aren't really pushed out and challenged as much as they should be um, and so Terrell, Terrell Owens and Randy Moss and Chael Chocinco even, they would have greatly benefited from being in this time and playing football in this time. Because even though you'll get those those comments like, oh, these guys, they didn't want to let them celebrate for a little while. You got social media that's like, keep keep whipping uh, o- uh, Odell. Like, I want to see Odell dance. I love when Odell kissed the, the, the kicking net. Because that that whole storyline of him getting hit in the face with it, like I love to see the the, the sideline antics. Like you said, I don't really have that uh, exuberant of a quarterback. When we heard Matt Ryan cuss on camera by accident, that was the greatest <laughs> thing that ever happened to us. Um, it was. Yeah. Our guys aren't super exuberant. We got Devontae Freeman who will throw a little bit of his uh, South Florida uh, flavor on the things, and you'll see him get a little amped up. But I love to see Odell, and I love to see. Antonio Brown, I love to see the group celebrations. And so I I really would love to see um, a media renaissance where we start getting younger voices and they don't even have to be as young as me. Like I'm 23, you're not gonna see the typical journalism student or fre- guy fresh out of Nash's his master's uh, media st- uh, studies to go and, and do this. But the Jamel Hills, the Beaumonty Joneses, the Michael Smiths, um, these guys who are like, it's it's okay to celebrate. We as media members love the celebration. We're going to talk about it 
on CBS uh, when the games come on and Fox. We're going to we're going to big these guys up. So if time could change, I would have loved to see Tara Owens get out there and and eat the popcorn on the sidelines again. And just to get that 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 instantaneous Twitter reaction and the memes that will come from that. They they would have greatly benefited from from this this social society right now. Terrell Owens would have owned Twitter. It would have been amazing. Every week, he'd have, and he'd have been looking for it, and he'd have been searching to do it. Like he'd have been taking ideas from Twitter to do in the end zone and all that kind of stuff. Like I, I just, I don't want to say I don't take sports seriously. I'm a, you know, I'm a fan of sports, and I like to watch. I love sports, but I also, I, I want players to have fun. Like I, it's, it's hard work what they do out there. Like playing football is extremely hard. Yeah, it's tough and- on the body. Go ahead. People don't, people, it's unfortunate that you see like celebrities and these people with status and they're not given, quote unquote, given the permission to have fun and be themselves. Like, you're not going to tell the guy, Bilo, like he can't, you know, smile every once in a while because he's a person. Like, these are people who spend their lives, they put their their literal bodies on the line to entertain you in the stands while you, you eat pickles. Like, let them have a little bit of fun. If he wanted to do the dirty bird in the end zone, then let him. Like if he's at work, let him enjoy his job. They need to bring the dirty bird back. I miss. I miss seeing that. They need to bring that back. But yeah, imagine doing something that you love since you were like six years old, and you've been doing it that long, and you've gotten so good that you're able to make a living off of it and get paid like a good grip of money, and you have someone in the stands that's sits behind the desk all day telling you not to have fun doing it. Like, get out of here. Like, let these guys have fun. It's, it's, it's not, it's not going to be the end of the world. If someone does a dirty bird or dabs or does the, you know, in my feelings check, cause you know, that's going to happen. The in my feelings challenge oh, that's happening it. on Sundays. That's happening. O- Odell Beckham. He, he, he is, he is hoping he gets to do that first. Cause he's going to, I hope that. he does. And I, I want to see it. I want to see it. I'm excited. I'm excited. I, yeah, I agree. Let these guys have fun. These guys have, they, they've worked hard to be in this position. Who cares if they take two extra seconds and I don't know does some James Brown split in the end zone? It's fine. You'll you'll live. You re- they fans fans honestly you will honestly live like it's not gonna kill you. Your kids are not gonna become you know they're like they're like oh what about the kids? The kids need to learn sportsmanship. Well, that's what you're there for as their parents. Right. You know, uh, yeah, Randy Randy Moss is not raising your kid. You're raising your kid. So you need to have that discussion with, with your kid. Um, and, and as far as the, the Hall of Fame goes, there, there seems to be a back and forth between Terrell Owens and the Hall of Fame. Like, obviously, it took the Hall of Fame three years to to let Tio or to vote him in. And now that Terrell Owens is a Hall of Famer, he has decided that he is not going to the ceremony. He's He's saying he previously had something scheduled in uh, Alabama, where he's from, where he went to school at. He has like a speech or he's going to do something there. Mm-hmm. So in response to that, the NFL Hall of Fame is saying that we're not going to acknowledge Terrell Owens as a Hall of Famer that whole weekend. <sighs> I feel like they're both wrong, but I feel like the NFL is more wrong. <laughs> because, yeah, yeah, I would agree I, with that. How do you just how do you just ignore a top five all time receiver like 
I, I don't know if Terrell Owens, this is just another hot take on Terrell Owens. Terrell Owens is the best wide receiver ever that couldn't catch. Like, that dude had bad <laughs> hands. I'm sorry. And it's cra- it's insane because he, he had terrible hands. Like, his hands were trash. But he's still a Hall of Famer. So, I mean, he was still able to put up those. Like, imagine if Terrell catches the ball. How great. His numbers would be off the charts. But anyway, yeah. I just I just think it's it's ridiculous that the NFL is just going to go about the NFL Hall of Fame procedures and not even acknowledge that Terrell Owens is a Hall of Famer. That just seems petty to me. It is. Oh, it's definitely petty. If the kings of egos are media members in sports, and so if they feel mm-hmm. slighted in any way, they're gonna make sure it's known. And like you said, Terrell, Terrell Owens, you. I mean, this is something you've been waiting for for three years. We would have hoped that you could make the ceremony, but to completely shut him out and pretend that he doesn't exist is is overkill. Yeah, I mean, me personally, I want Terrell Owens to go to the Hall of Fame and give his speech. I feel like his speech could have been he could have been petty to their face, mm-hmm. and and I feel like he should have he should have called he should have called out media members at during his speech, like, "Yo, I am one of the greatest receivers ever." And you guys, because you didn't like my personality or you guys thought I was a bad teammate or a bad locker room person, y'all just decided to keep me out of the Hall of Fame. And that's, it shouldn't be that way. And, it, and he, he, I think he's missing out on the opportunity to, you know, put his name, put his voice behind this because you know, I don't know if the actually attend the Hall of Fame ceremonies would agree with that. For me personally, I, I would fully against this guy and keep him out of the Hall of Fame and try to embarrass him. I don't know. Yeah, I guess that, yeah, they embarrassed him. Having to wait that long to get in the Hall of Fame with those numbers, like the only better numbers than him is like Jerry Rice, Randy Moss, and I still got to wait three years. That's that's just, it's, it's petty and it's unfair. It should be that way. And you know they just want an apology. Like if, if today he was like, you know what, guys, I'm so sorry about the way I treated you during my playing career, blah, 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 they would welcome him with open arms they just want an apology and he doesn't have to give you an apology because he didn't do anything wrong no no i don't i don't i'm i'm team to on this one when it comes to to versus the uh the hall of fame i think the hall of fame needs to do better and they need to get some different people in these uh rooms that that vote on these things because mm-hmm. it it shouldn't take that long for a player the caliber of trail to get in the hall of fame it shouldn't take that long but we're we're gonna stick we're gonna stick with football and we're actually gonna stick with wide receivers. Now Kiana is a Falcons fan, and a big thing that I like to enjoy that I enjoy watching on uh, Twitter is Falcons fans getting into <laughs> getting into a tizzy when they feel slighted about something. <laughs> now, whenever and and I and I, I'm looking you can you can look on like NFL.com. Or, or whatever, whenever they say that Antonio Brown is the best wide receiver in the NFL, Falcons fans flock to that post and say, Julio, about Julio, Julio's this, Julio's that. So I'm going to ask you, who's the best wide receiver in the NFL? And I'm going to cop out and say it's a matter of preference. Oh, um, no. <laughs> oh. And I'll say that it is on a season-by-season basis, if we're being completely honest. If you would ask me last season who was the better wide receiver, I'm going to give it to Steeler fans and say Antonio Brown had a hell of a season. And 
he, it was the numbers are there to prove it. If you would ask me the season before that, back in Super Bowl year, I would have told you hands down Julio Jones. It's a season by season basis. They flip flop as the one and the two. And um, when you want to tip the scales, it's all about a matter of preference. Are you are you uh, an NFC South fan of another team? Are you a Panthers fan? Are you a Saints fan? Are you a Bucks fan? You're probably not going to choose Julio. Um, if you're somewhere around uh, the AFC and and AB is is the wide receiver, your wide receiver, your uh, team has to go against Sunday after Sunday. You're not going to choose AB. You might choose a Julio. I will say that the people who keep trying to throw Odell in this conversation should sit it out. But um, oh, 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 let me go ahead and sit down then. <laughs> AB and Julio, they they flip flop at the one and the two. I, that's why we love the football season so much. We get to see who's going to be on top. For my money. I'm going to go ahead and bet on my guy Julio if he's not too disgruntled with the Falcons' front office. I say Julio has a, has a great season. He didn't have as great of a season with a new offensive coordinator last season. Um, Steve Sarkeesian looked over him a lot more than I would expect a guy to look over a 6'4 wide receiver, the guy that's kind of been your bread and butter since he's gotten to the franchise. But I'm not Sark. Um, so, A.B., Julio, matter of preference, matter of season. Dirty Bird Nation is not going to appreciate you mentioning uh, Sarkeesian. I'm so podcast. sorry, Gift Queen. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so sorry. So, so sorry. Uh, they're all going to come for you. Don't even like, they don't even like the mention of that dude's name. It's it's The hate is real. Let me so let me, let me ask you this real quick. <laughs> go ahead, go ahead. No, Sarkeesian, so speaking of Sark, I, as a Falcons fan, I suffer from PTSD. Oh, <laughs> I suffered mm. from PTSD from our Super Bowl, uh, and I suffered from PTSD from last season for that new offensive coordinator. And I thought about, I believe it was week five against the Patriots, how you ran that sweep at the goal line, and it was the worst call ever. And I just, I froze up at the red light, and I think I caused a bunch of people behind me to miss the light. So I, too, mm. don't like the mention of his name. It, it makes me sad. Mm. It's it's a tough one. I can I, I see it all the time. I see it every day, and I'm I'm looking forward to uh, watching Falcons Twitter from from my perch on high and just <sighs> cackling at <laughs> y'all. Just get y'all get so <laughs> in, wrapped up into a frenzy. It's it's incredible to watch. Of it's course. incredible to watch. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, let me let me. Uh, I'll ask you this, and we'll, we're going to move on to the to the last thing we're going to talk about. Um, Who's the best quarterback in the NFL? You don't have to explain it, but just in your Ooh, opinion, who's the best quarterback best in the quarterback NFL? Best quarterback of the NFL. I mean, it's mm, – that's tough. Mm. The best quarterback. Uh, I mean, I, I guess I would – in this case, you can't give it to the last quarterback on top. So, I, Sorry, Philadelphia Eagle fans, but I'm not going to give it to Nick Foles. Mm. Uh, I'm not even going to give it to Carson Wentz. Um, the best quarterback in the NFL, man, I, I, I don't know how you couldn't say Tom Brady. <laughs> like, I, don't know, I don't know how you can't say Tom Brady and it hurts me so much to say oh that. My goodness. And oh I'm my pretty God. sure, cause you know, God's a Falcons fan. I'm pretty sure he's going <laughs> to smack me on the back of the head when I get to the pearly gates. I don't know how you can't say Tom Brady. I just don't know how you can't. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Uh, yeah. Uh, okay. I I was not expecting that, but uh, it hurt. I, I, it hurt to say. I'll accept your answer. I'll accept that answer. Um, but the last thing I wanted to talk about is this 
I don't want to say, well, I guess it kind of is. It's kind of an attack on football is what it what it seems like is uh, a lot of people are bringing up a lot of negative things about the game. And a lot of people are saying they don't want their kids to play. Some people don't even want to watch it. Yeah. Some for political reasons, some because they don't feel like the product is good anymore. There's even NFL players who are retiring early, like DeMarco Murray. He just retired. He's only 30 years old. Um, some people would say it's because, you know, he didn't get any offers, but I feel like somebody would have signed DeMarco Murray at some point, but I mean, he's only 30 years old. Like he could have got a one-year deal. There's a lot of NFL players retiring early. There's a lot of NFL players and college players dying early, like uh, a player from Ohio state. Mm -hmm. He played on the team in, I believe, 2007. Now, they haven't stated what his cause of death was, but he was 34 years old. So if we're ruling out like suicide as an option, if you're a 34-year-old healthy male Mm -hmm. and you played college football at a high level for like Ohio State and you play defensive end, it's hard for me not to assume that maybe football is responsible for that. So that's, there's a lot of things that football has to deal with. And it's, it's going to be hard in the long run to keep their business model sustainable because this game is literally about breaking the other person's body, like Mm -hmm. destroying that person physically so they can't do their job anymore. And I just don't know how much longer that business model is going to last so do you do you feel like the NFL is being unfairly targeted when it comes to like concussions and CTE and you know player behavior? Like there's people that you know that think they don't OJ Simpson killed those oh allegedly killed allegedly. those people. <laughs> you know, they're saying like CTE and concussion is a small part to do with that. And mm-hmm. there's they say the same thing about Aaron Hernandez. And all these other players that commit violent acts, they think it's CTE. So, do you do you feel like the NFL is being unfairly targeted? Um, I will say, I used to, and now I don't. And I'll say why that is. Uh, back to school, cause like school is my life. Uh, I took a sport law class this spring semester, and one of our large projects was to um, write a. Um, a legal paper, something that you know would maybe rep- uh, be posted in a legal review, uh, just kind of dissecting CTE and its relation to the NFL. Should the NFL be liable? Not to get into the whole legal side of that, but in researching, you find that not only like do these kids, when these football players, when they start playing at 13, do they start developing these cult, these concussions and these early signs of CTE and brain trauma. But it even goes further back, Pat, before that, to where these like six and seven year olds, they're like already kind of hitting each other. Um, even a, it doesn't, the hit itself is is what causes the beginning stages of brain trauma. And once these players get older um, and they leave the league, the league kind of like pushes them away. Um, you start to see these these symptoms of CTE start to develop. So the suicidal thoughts, the aggression, uh, the mood swings and the depression, all these things start to affect you. And that can go from age 18. There was a young kid that died. I don't want to get the age wrong, but I believe he was still in his teenage years, uh, maybe early 20s, who died 
and he had traces, a, a large trace of uh, CTE. Um, there's football players that have passed away with these things, and they, their parent, their families go back and look and say, oh, he was depressed. He was in a rage one moment and, and really sad the next. He had suicidal thoughts and ended up killing himself. Um, so I don't think the NFL gets a bad rap. I think they need to protect their players more. I don't, and I'm not going to say that I have had the answers to that. Um, maybe reconstructed helmets or changing the way that the turf that the players play on, changing some of the rules of the game, uh, because it is a little barbaric that we watch men slam into each other for two hours a Sunday, Monday and a Thursday. Um, but I don't think that they're un unfairly criticized um, for their role in the the way these players develop after they get during the game and, and especially after the game. Yeah, I mean, I don't want this to I don't want to come off as like, you know, someone that hates the NFL because I every Sunday, Monday, I don't really watch Thursday night games, but I pretty much watch every NFL game that I can watch. I'm a I've been watching football pretty much my whole life. I played football, my family played football. Like football has been a, a part of my life since I can remember. So it's not a thing that I it's not that I hate the NFL or I hate football. But as I get older and the more I see and the more I read about what happens to these players after they're done playing, mm -hmm. sometimes it is it is a little bit harder to watch and enjoy. Like I remember when I was in, like in high school, you know, you see someone get lit up like a big hit, a blindside hit. And you're just like mm -hmm. back then I was like, oh man, that's awesome. That's a great hit, big hit. Like, you know, keep your head on the swivel, whatever, whatever, cracking jokes. Now you see it and you're just like, Damn, that dude's probably got a concussion. Damn, man, that dude, he might lose his mind in five years. He's not going to remember his kids mm -hmm. when he gets to age 40. He might not be able to – like, you look at someone like Gron Gronkowski. Yeah. Like, when he's out of the league, that dude's going to – he's barely going to be able to walk, like, normal when he's done playing in the NFL. Like, he's has some bad injuries, some bad concussions. Mentally, physically, a lot of these guys are not going to do well and – it seems like the NFL doesn't really care about mm. the players once they're out of the league. They tend to just discard them, pass them on, move them along, like get out of here. Like they make them go through all these hoops to be able to get like insurance and doctor's visits paid for. So it it, it is tough to watch. Um, I would recommend like these are these are some of the articles that I've read that really got me thinking about, you know, how I how I watch football now. There was an article about Larry Johnson. He was a running back for the Chiefs. Mm -hmm. uh, I believe I believe it was by Bleacher Report. And then there was another one by Jamal Lewis. He was a running back for the Ravens. And then um, uh, GQ did an article about a guy who was. And this is what really kind of changed my whole viewpoint on football. This is an article about a guy who played football, who watches football, but now has a kid, and he lets his kid play football, but he feels like a bad parent for letting his kid play football because he knows mm -hmm. what it can do to him. And that's when I really started to think about that because me, I have – my kids are boys, so, you know, that's that's something that I have to deal with. That's a conversation that I'm going to have to have with my wife about, you know, do we let them play football? Uh, how old do they need to be when they play football? You know, if they get a concussion, do that. Are they done with football forever, or mm -hmm. how long do we let them play? Like stuff like that. There's, a, and that one kind of really, it really spoke to me in that in that area. But 
I would encourage people to to look at those articles. It really gives you an insight on, especially running backs. And it's it's important that it is about running backs because right now, running backs are like the least paid players in the NFL. Outside of like kickers, outside of kickers and punters, it's like running backs are the least paid and they take the most damage. And physically and mentally, once they're done with football, it seems like it seems like they are suffering the most. Mm -hmm. So I would I would encourage people to read the articles about Larry Johnson and uh, Jamal Lewis, because it's it can be somewhat eye opening and it might. I don't think it's going to stop you from watching football, but I think it'll make you at least, you know, double check yourself when you when you're cheering something and make you kind of feel a little bit more empathetic about what's going on on the field. Right. I don't have kids, uh, but my my younger cousin, um, he plays flag football. He actually plays in an age group that's two years older than he is uh, because the coaches just love him. And they asked his dad, um, would his dad be interested in allowing him to play tackle football? He's only six. He'll be seven in, in the first of August. And his dad had to like sit down and really think about it. Like he's always dreamt of his son playing football, but is seven the right time to be taking hits? And ultimately he decided if he's going to take hits, he can wait until he's, you know, in high school. But um, it does it does make you think about the long-term effects of the game. You said running backs. Devontae Freeman had three concussions, if not more, last season. Um, and he's one of the, the higher-paid running backs. And he still doesn't make that much compared to other players um, in the league. So it definitely – that the research that I did for school, it definitely opens your eyes up, makes you really consider whenever I – if ever I do have kids, will they – Will I allow them to participate in football? Um, I don't know yet. I don't know. That's that's something I would have to really, really, really consider uh, if that time comes. Yeah, and if I'm the if I'm the NFL, that that is what I'm concerned about. I'm not concerned about right now, like the kids that are already playing football. I'm concerned about the parents of young kids right now that have to think about this, that have to see these things. Like there's a, there's a documentary on, I believe his name is Steve Gleason played for the saints. Yeah. And from what I hear, it is heartbreaking to watch. And that's why I haven't watched it. Cause I feel like if I watch it, I'll never watch football again. Yeah. So it's, 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 it's that, that they need to worry about. It's not, you know, five years from now, how are we going to deal with this? It's, the next generation, like other sports starting to grow, like basketball is making its way to being like one of the top sports in America and in the world. Soccer is obviously the number one, and it's kind of making its way up, and a lot of people are starting to play other things. So football, short term, football is good. Football is Goliath. Football is the moneymaker. But 30 years from now, when these kids get older and they have kids or when our, you know, that's when that's when they need to start to worry and they need to have a plan. So, well, that's kind of a it's kind of a somber note to end on, talking about you know players and um, uh, yeah, players retiring early and players dying and killing killing themselves. Uh, um, yeah, that is sad. Yeah, is- <laughs> I wish I could. I wish I could end this on a better note. How, how about this? How about this? Let me let me get your. Uh, Top top five top five quarterbacks since since I know number one is Tom Brady. Let me go ahead and get your uh, uh, your other four. If you I can, promise, you guys, he's, he's not the number one that I want to have. Uh, 
quarter. He's not the. I promise you, like he's not the. The facts are facts. Like, come on, facts. The facts are facts. You don't. You uh, don't have to copy it, please. Just stand, stand by your. Stand by your tape. Just stand by it. Let, I go. I, uh, man, and then I'm going to say another quarterback that's going to just really throw this whole thing off. But I'd go Tom Brady. I'd go Aaron Rodgers. Um, yes. I'd go Drew Brees. <laughs> I, yeah. You can't oh deny that Drew Brees is a good quarterback. Like, as much as I have to hate him, because I do hate him and I hate the team you, and everything they stand you, for, I hate the Superdome. <laughs> do you, want me to edit, you want me to edit this out for you? Do you want this? You sure you want to put this out? I mean, if you guys want to come in my mentions, that's cool. I know how to turn them off. <laughs> uh, I'd say Drew Brees. This is no particular order either. Uh, so Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees. Of course, I got to go Matty Ice. Um, and then in that fifth spot, I don't, I don't know who I, who I pick. Um, we can go Hot Takes and go Jimmy G, but I don't really stand behind that. <laughs> wow, you're just really, you are really trying to. <laughs> Upset Falcons fans right now. You're just naming oh. every quarterback they hate right now. They are oh. pissed right now. Big Ben. Yeah. Let's oh. say, let's, you could mm. throw Big Ben in there. I, Big Ben has some. Now, if anybody's going to be penalized for their off the court antics, it better be Big Ben Roethlisberger. I'm going to say that right now. Yeah, he should not be a first ballot Hall of Fame if they care about character issues so much. I would riot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, so we've kind of lightened the mood a little bit, so I'm, I'm I'm good with ending on that note. Uh, once again, I appreciate you coming on the podcast. If you can uh, you. plug your podcast, your illustrious podcast that I've been on twice, you know, just yeah. plug, if you want to plug that real quick. Always the the, the more uh, listen to episodes too. Like you, you got you got the sauce. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, if you like, you know, if you don't mind that I don't wear you know lingerie football, I don't talk about lingerie football or wear crop top basketball jerseys come on over to between the lines podcast you can follow it on twitter at btw in the lines pod uh it also broadcasts locally again in augusta on uh wezo 12 30 a.m the blaze you can follow my personal twitter at underscore rev run uh where i talk about beyonce almost every day ben staples uh how terrible of a president we have right now and uh potato frames uh, my love of potatoes. I enjoy potatoes, fried, baked, any any fashion. So there's that. <laughs> I'm more of a French fries kind of guy. I'm not. I'm not big on the baked potato. I love I don't French know why. fries. Just thing. French fries, like I feel like nobody really messes up French fries except the uh, the potato wedges. I'm not a big fan of those. Nah, if I'm gonna choose French fries, I'm going curly fries, waffle fries. The Top regular five French fries. fries. Top five French fries. What you got? Curly fries, waffle fries, McDonald's fries, um, and then checkers or rallies, oh, yeah. depending on where you are in the United States. Uh, that's four. Flush. And then my fifth French fry. Uh, let me think. Let me think. Let me think. My fifth favorite French fry. Um, uh, Arby's has great French fries. They have terrible everything else, but they have Ooh. great French fries. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh, yeah, you might. You're. You, they might come for you for the Arby's. Trash. <laughs> I'm gonna say. <laughs> I don't. Whenever I, think, I see cars pull into Arby's drive-through, I wonder what's going on at home. Yeah, you have to judge their lifestyle. Like you, your life, do you? That's really all that that about boils down to. I'm gonna say my uh, top French fry is Chick-fil-A French fries. And oh, don't at, don't at me, don't at me, bro. With don't the Polynesian sauce. Oh. No. <laughs> 
My God. <laughs> I'll take Chick-fil-A French fries over anything. So that's that's me. So but uh like I said, uh check out her podcast. It's really good. Not and it's good when even when I'm not on it. I've li- I listen to it even when I'm not on it. I think it's really hey. interesting. It's very <laughs> insightful. So make sure you guys are checking that out. Make sure you subscribe to the committee podcast, give a five-star review on Apple Podcast, uh, retweet it. Um if you can grab a hold of your your wife or husband's phone or your kid's phone, you can do it on their phone also. The more the merrier. And uh, in the vein of South Breeze, who likes to end every podcast with his quote, I'm going to end with a quote of my own. It is, <clears throat> only put off until tomorrow what you are willing to die having left undone. Oh, Take it easy. Gems. Mm, yeah. Dropping <laughs> gems on them. <laughs> All right, how do I stop? All's my life I has to fight, nigga. All's my life I hard times like yeah, bad trips like yeah, Nazareth. I'm fucked up, homie. You fucked up, but if God got us, then we gon' be alright. Right. Nigga, we gon' be alright. Nigga, we gon' be alright. Alright, do you hear me? Do you feel me? We gon' be alright. Nigga, we gon' be alright. Huh? We gon' be alright. Nigga, we gon' be alright. Do you hear me? Do you feel me? We gon' be alright. Uh, and when I wake up, I recognize you looking at me for the pay cut. Bahamas, I'll be looking at you from the face down. One Mac 11, even boom with the face down. Skimming, and let me tell you about my life.